Luke chapter 2, I want to look at uh, the end of this, I guess, Christmas passage, uh, towards the very end of it. It's really about 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Uh, He's now gone to the temple. Mary and Joseph have taken him to the temple, and he has an encounter there with a man named Simeon, uh, excuse me, um, Simeon, and then a lady named Anna. And I want to look more specifically at Anna this evening. That's where we'll conclude it there. Uh, And I want to consider faithful Anna, or I really want to drive it home this evening with this extreme faith. Extreme faith is where we'll end our thoughts this evening. Look with me, uh, verse number 37. It says, And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in at that instance, instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Father, thank you for a wonderful first 30 minutes of church tonight, God, uh, to get to hear our congregation sing great songs in a wonderful way, in a beautiful way, and to hear our children tonight, um, our men's group, the, the flutist, and then, Father, this wonderful special we just heard from Sarah. Lord, it's been a, it's been a good time already in church tonight. And uh, Lord, we look, pray for this time now as we can look into your word and study out a passage of scripture tonight, an individual tonight, and make some applications in our life, God. I pray, God, that you'd help us, and Lord, that it would be profitable for us, but most of all, pleasing to you, God. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Of course, this passage of scripture, Luke chapter 2, will be read uh, in many, many homes Uh, next Sunday morning, uh, or next Sunday sometime, as many houses and homes will celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't know if that's your tradition and your practice, but it's certainly a a wonderful practice to have. I know when we're children, perhaps we would like to get beyond that sooner, as we have different motivations, but I'd encourage you to remind your kids what Christmas is truly about. Uh, I don't think it's an awful thing that uh, present giving is a part of this, but I think it is an important aspect for us as parents to remind our children the true focus. We had a a young Christian family in our church in Columbus. I got to lead them both to the Lord, and um, they went extreme. They did not open presents till January 1st. Uh, And she said, I want to make sure my kids know what Christmas is about. This is Jesus' birthday, and we're not doing it till January 1st. I'm not recommending that to you, but I'm just saying she wanted to make sure that's, that's what got across to her kids. And so, but many will read this passage of scripture. And um, if the world truly knew and understood who was being born on that Christmas morning, uh, they would have never chosen the individuals that God chose to be there. Uh, If the world truly knew who Jesus was 40 days after his birth, they wouldn't have chose the two individuals that would greet Jesus there at the temple that God chose. Uh, There are shepherds. We'll learn a little bit about them in just a moment. There was this man, Simeon, and then there was Anna, really basic nobodies. And the world would have never chosen them. But I want to remind you, 
God thinks differently than we think. His ways are not our ways. His mind is above ours. His thoughts are above ours. And uh, I'm glad God's for the underdog. I'm glad God's for the, the, the people that no one knows. I'm reminded of that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. How many of you qualify for that? The base, the, the, the things that are weak, not understood. God has chosen those things and works through those types of individuals for this reason, according to verse number 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. When God can use a foolish, weak individual like Mark Carpenter, God gets all the glory. Uh, and, and so God can take the weak and insignificant and do great things with them. Uh, of course, we're introduced to the shepherds earlier on in this passage of Scripture. Go back with me, if you will. In verse number 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Ye shall find, uh, and this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You know, when we get to heaven, I, I hope there is a, a replay booth somewhere of some of the great events that took place in the Bible some things we would like to see, and some you know, like the dividing of the Red Sea with Moses. That would be great to see in real life, not just what Charlton Heston imagined, but what we can see in that. And, and this is one of those scenes I would love to see played out. As this angel speaks to these shepherds, and then there's a multitude of heavenly hosts, this great army of angels around them, surrounding them in the skies, singing this great chorus, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I tell you what, those shepherds were never the same after that evening, were they? Uh, that it was a life-changing moment for these shepherds. The life of a shepherd was a lonely and lowly life. It was a position or job that was disdained by the people of Israel. The religious writings of Israel compared shepherds to heathens. They were forbidden to testify in court because they were not considered excuse me, trustworthy or eloquent enough to stand before the judges. A shepherd was forbidden to receive charity. But consider some of the significant men that were shepherds in the scriptures. Moses was a shepherd for 40 years as God taught him valuable lessons after his departure from Egypt and before he went back to Egypt as God's representative. Before David was ever a military hero or the king of Israel, he was a faithful shepherd boy and his father, to his father's flock of sheep. We learn also about 
one of our minor prophets, Amos, he was a herdsman or shepherd that God spoke his word through. Of course, the scripture climaxes with Jesus Christ, who is described as the good shepherd in John chapter number 10, the great shepherd in Hebrews chapter 13, the chief shepherd in 1 Peter chapter number 5. Of course, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. As we've begun this, well, we've now about 17, 18 messages into our series on the book of Psalms. Uh, I've had more people tell me, Pastor, will you please let us know when Psalm 23 is going to be your, your passage? I don't want to miss that service especially. Such a special psalm to so many people. And the Lord is my shepherd. What the world and religion discarded, the scripture delights in, the shepherd. But not only did he present himself to the shepherds that evening when Christ was born, but again, 40 days later, we are introduced to this man named Simeon. It says in verse number 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was a just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do after him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. We see this man Simeon. Again, without this passage of scripture, we would not know anything about this man most likely. We see his character in verse 25, he's described as a just, devout man. He's waiting uh, for this great promise that was given to him. And it says that the Holy Ghost was upon him. Uh, he goes on and it describes the confidence that he has in, in verse number 26. Uh, verse 26, it was revealed unto him. He was given this, this promise by the Holy Ghost. That he would not see death. He would not experience death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now we, we kind of picture him as being an older man. We're not really given his age, but we're, we picture him as an older man. And he has now seen the Lord's Christ and he makes it known. Lord, let thy servant now depart. I'm ready to go. Uh, and, and, and now that was Simeon's promise that he would not see that he would not see death until he had seen the Christ. Our promise is a little different today, isn't it? Uh, we are promised this that we'll either see Christ in the clouds or we'll see him immediately after our death here on earth. First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 through 58 describe for us the great return of Jesus Christ. And that would be a wonderful thing. And by the way, as we've mentioned on Wednesday nights, I think it's a very strong possibility that there are people in this room, we are in that age and that time, that perhaps there are people in this room that will, the Lord will tarry his, his coming to the point and we're, you're at an age where you will experience the rapture. You will not have to experience death. 
Of course, we know the Lord could come back today, and we certainly feel like the, the things are winding that direction sooner. But let me tell you this, even if I experience death, I leave this world holding the hand of a loved one, the very next hand I'm going to feel is going to be the hand of my Savior. Uh, if I leave this world looking at my wife or one of my children, the very next face I'll see will be the face of my Savior. I have that confidence today, that promise of God that we have, and we certainly can learn much from this man, Simeon. His chorus was, uh, he speaks of God's salvation, and uh, that it was to all people, and that it would lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. And certainly wonderful thoughts there considering the shepherds and considering Simeon. But let's consider this evening steadfast or faithful Anna for a few moments. Again, we've read those verses that consider her. and We missed verse 36 and says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess of the daughter, uh, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and lived with her with an husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Again, God appears to have chosen one that the world, or even we, would not have considered to make part of this wonderful passage of Scripture. Anna married her husband as a virgin, married only for seven years, and then widowed, never remarried. I choose, some say that she was a widow for 84 years. I kind of believe they're describing her age of 84 years. I don't know if that's a big deal to debate upon either way. She's of great age, and she has faithfully served God by being in the temple. In fact, it describes her there uh, that uh, she departed not from the temple. Some believe she may have even lived or had a, a, a residence there. Others believe that it's just describing she was there more than she wasn't. She'd go home just to get some rest and maybe food and was right back at the temple serving the Lord. It says that she fasted often and she prayed night and day. Now I've chosen to describe Anna as faithful. And I believe that's an accurate description of her. But also we could look at her description here and how she lived her life for these years. It, it, it appears since the days that she became a widow to these senior years of her life, this has been the testimony of her life. And I would also describe that as extreme. I would describe that as, as boy, she's gone the extra bit there. And as I thought about that thought of, uh, of extreme living, I wondered if it only seemed extreme because I was comparing it to today. I wonder if it only seems extreme to me because I'm comparing it to us or to myself. Perhaps it's extreme in comparison to the way we live our lives and the way that we live out our faith. I hope tonight as it convicted my own heart about my own uh, worship in my own witness in my own life as I serve the Lord that I would become more faithful more extreme in my own faith 
I would like for people to look at me one day and perhaps in my senior years or at my death and say, boy, he, he surely did serve the Lord faithfully. He was extreme in his faith. That would be a good testimony for us to have, as Anna does here. I want to add, highlight just two aspects of Anna's faithfulness, areas that I believe we could become a little more extreme in individually here in 2023. I don't want it just to look at it in a corporate matter, that as a church we would see an increase in these areas, but I'd like to see individuals take this on this evening, that you would become more extreme in these areas. First of all tonight, the word worship, and then secondly, the thought of witnessing. Let's consider first of all worship. Anna's attendance to the temple was somewhat extreme. Uh, again, it describes that she was there more frequently than she wasn't. Uh, this was a part of her worship. She went to the temple daily. She was there frequently. She was there often. And attendance is a one way that we can express our worship or our adoration for the Lord. I'm grateful for our Sunday evening faithful attenders, and perhaps I should preach this on a Sunday morning more so than on a Sunday night. But let me remind our Sunday night crowd and encourage our Sunday night crowd that we need to be faithful in our church attendance. We are living in a day and an age when it's more common and more frequent that churches are canceling services, canceling various uh, times of worship than they are highlighting them, highlighting them or growing in them. And uh, we are in a time and an age where we need to go beyond. Uh, consider with me a, a familiar verse, but I'd like everyone to turn there. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. And notice with me verse number 25, or I'll start in verse number 24. Hebrews 10, verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Uh, provoke, sometimes we would use that in a sense of uh, provoking someone to do something negative or in a, in a negative fashion, but this is in a positive way. It's almost like the idea of encouraging them, uh, urging them on, provoke unto love and to good works. And then he says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And so there's that thought of assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is. And we're seeing that manner is more and more frequently becoming more and more uh, 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 put away. Again, canceling services, or uh, we don't have enough to be here on a Sunday evening, so we'll just cancel it, or we won't have a Wednesday night Bible study, we won't have a spring revival, and these things, because they're having a hard time for people coming. And so he says, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, provoking one another, but notice this last phrase, and so much more. As you see the day approaching. Now what day do you think they're talking about there? I believe it's talking about the, the return of the Lord. 
that day we're looking for, that blessed hope, the closer we get to that day, the more we ought to be faithful to our church attendance. Jesus Christ is coming soon. And Heritage Baptist Church, there's something you can do to be a little bit more extreme in your faith is that you'll determine that you and your family are going to be faithful in your worship in this area of church attendance. And I'd encourage you to encourage someone to be a part of that. Come with us. Be a part of this. Let's be faithful in this area. So Anna's attendance to the temple was extreme. Our church attendance should be extreme. Uh, Anna's attention to fasting was extreme. Can you believe I'm going to preach on fasting this week before we have great feast on Christmas? I'm going to do it. Now, as far as I know, we are not commanded to fast in the New Testament. I don't know of any passage, and there may be one, but I don't know of any New Testament passage that tells us as a church that you must fast. Um, I don't know of any passage that says you shouldn't, though, either. And I don't know of any that says it's not for you, leave it alone, don't touch it. Um, Fasting appears to be connected closely to praying. And it's often used when seeking the Lord's direction or for specific needs or concerns or burdens in one's life. Um, Fasting, I believe, is something... In fact, in the Old Testament, remember uh, when they were praying for something, they'd often put on sackcloth and ashes, pour ashes on their head. You remember that Old Testament uh, uh, picture that was given there? And, and I believe it's uh, when you add on sackcloth, think about that, 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 that sackcloth material and it's, and it's going to be irritable. It's not going to be comfortable like our cotton clothes or something like that. Every time you move, you're going to feel this sackcloth. You pour ashes on your head and you're covered with them. It's going to be an uncomfortable feeling. And it was something that I believe was used to remind that person, hey, Continue to pray on these matters. Continue. I believe fasting and the pains that come with fasting, again, is a reminder to drive us to prayer. And so it's closely tied to prayer, but God does seem to bless the efforts of fasting. If only to drive us to our knees or to remind us for to, to keep praying for something fervently and effectively for them. And so I'd encourage you to even consider this this next year uh, 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 of 2023, not only our church attendance, but perhaps a a, a move towards I'm going to fast periodically. Now, a fast, we might automatically in our mind go to multiple days of fasting or uh, maybe extreme ways of fasting. But there's lots of ways we could fast. You could just skip a meal one day and say, I'm going to dedicate that time to prayer. I'm not going to have lunch this week. I'm I'm just going to each day at lunch, I'm going to take that hour. Instead of eating, I'm going to pray. And then about 3 o'clock before your work day is done, you're going to be reminded, oh, I skipped lunch today. And as your stomach's reminding you what you can do, what I'm praying about. I'm reminded of this. You might be challenged to go 24 hours without a meal. And I can promise you, you're going to be reminded frequently throughout the day about that. And it's going to drive you and remind you why I'm doing this. And I bring that matter before the Lord and I pray about it. There's other things you could fast of besides food. 
I think it'd be wonderful, all of us, at some point in our lives, to have a media fast. Stay off the social media. Stay off the news networks. Stay away from those things and get your heart and your mind redirected towards the Lord. We are, uh, uh, we and myself included, we're, we're addicted to these things and our emails and our, and our text messages and these things. And it would be good every once in a while just say, you know what, I'm going to take a day. I'm going to take a week or I'm going to sign off of social media for, for a month or something. And just to reset ourselves, to recalibrate ourselves. And so I'd encourage you to consider the discipline of fasting and ask God to draw you closer to him. And so Anna's attendance to the temple was extreme. Her attention to fasting was extreme. And the abundance of prayer was extreme. It appears that Anna's prayer life was at least consistent as she prayed day and night. When you multiply the years of her faithfulness in the temple, and those prayers being offered night and day, it should be convicting to us to become more extreme in our prayer lives. Prayer, I believe, is probably the most important discipline in the spiritual life of an individual. Bible reading prayer, I don't know which is 1A and 1B, they're both together tied so closely. But prayer is often, other than just maybe nominal prayers, Probably all of us could say, or most of us could say, I pray every day, but it might be over your food. It might just be a, a quick prayer. But to have true, intense, fervent prayer, wouldn't that not be a great place for you to say, I, I need to be a little more extreme this year than where I've been? Uh, it couldn't hurt you, right? It, it couldn't hurt any of us to become stronger in our prayer lives. And, and to take this aspect of this worship and prayer and so you might determine this year, you know what, I'm going to be consistent. I'm, I'm going to make sure I begin my mornings with prayer. The alarm clock goes off or your phone alarm goes off. What's the first thing you typically do now? Why don't you replace that with just a pause there? And I'm going to begin my day with a little season of prayer. Now I'd encourage you, if you're starting with zero minutes, don't go crazy. Don't say, all right, I'm going to go from zero minutes to 60 minutes. Because you're not going to succeed. You're not most likely. But you could certainly go from zero minutes to five minutes, couldn't you? That would not be a big chunk to take. And you could start with, I'm going to begin my day with five minutes of fervent prayer, asking God to help me. And then I'm going to choose another time of the day where I'm going to, again, pray to the Lord and find a method and a way that your prayer life grows this next year. Those are some aspects of this worship that we see from her. But you notice one other aspect of her this evening? Look with me in verse number, um, verse 38. And she coming in that instance, that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption. Uh, I, I want to, Take that phrase, spake of him to all them. Now, I don't know if that was her consistency. I don't know if that was something she was known for. But in this instance, that's what she was known for. That's what she did. She learned of the Messiah. She learned of the Christ. And she went out and she spoke of him to all of them. And I'd like to take that phrase for each of us this evening. Would it not be a great thing 
that that was said about us one day. That wherever he or she went and whoever he or she saw, that he or she spoke about Jesus Christ. That, uh, that your neighbors, they should know that they've heard from you about Jesus Christ. Your co-workers, your family members, those people that God leads across your path. And our witness should increase. And again, I am not talking about sore visitation. I'd love to see that grow some more. I'm not talking about bus visitation. I'm talking about us individually, 24-7, in our everyday lives, that we're looking for opportunities to share our faith. That we would tell all people about him. I was going to, and I'm, I'm still going to, but it's in my plans in our, our new theme for this next year that we'll be introducing in January and all these things. But one of the aspects I want to challenge us, one of the specific areas is that, that there would be a, a great amount of our people that you would pray that God would give you the opportunity to lead a person to the Lord this year. And then lead that person to baptism this year. And lead that person to discipleship this year. And lead that person to repeat that whole process with somebody else. That you were to be a full uh, completion of the Great Commission. Not just leading them to the Lord, but seeing them baptized. Seeing them discipled where they would grow in their faith. And listen, that is not a big deal to ask. That, that is not something that is that would not uh, should be could be expected of every one of us that in 365 days every one of us could do that every one of us could do that it's not that big of a thing to say that in a year that each of us could not lead someone to the Lord lead them to baptism and, and lead them to discipleship that is possible and wouldn't it be amazing what do we have? I don't know, 300 people here tonight, Tim. Did you give me my numbers yet? 297. On, uh, what are we, the 18th of December. Wouldn't it be nice to see 600 people here next year? That'd be possible. But it's going to take you getting a little extreme. It's going to take you saying, you know what, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to pursue people. I'm going to go after this, and I'm going to ask God to give me the faith that I could lead someone to the Lord. And in fact, I'd ask you to get convicted about this right now. When's the last time you have led somebody to Jesus Christ? When is it? Review that in your heart. Has it been too long? Has it been, has it been too long ago? God wants each of us to become extreme in our witness. We're in these last of the last days, the Lord could return at any moment. And of course, death could take anybody at any moment. And we do not want to have delayed in that and not had the opportunity to share our faith with them. And so I'd ask you, would you become more extreme in your worship, more extreme in your witness? Take the example of this lady, Anna, who went a, a beyond what maybe would be expected and was extreme in these areas, and we'll see ourselves take this same challenge to become more extreme in 2023 in our worship and our witness. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this evening?
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Church, I don't say this to you this evening, and I don't want to give the idea that I, I'm presenting myself as the great example in this area. I need to become more extreme. And I'm going to ask God to help me to become more extreme in my worship and in my witness. I've already been praying that God would help me in my personal witness that I can personally. And I've had the privilege this last year to lead multiple people to the Lord. But they frequently come through the avenue of them coming to church. I want God to lead me to some people outside the church this year. Give me an opportunity outside of these four walls to lead somebody to the Lord this year. And I want you to take that challenge. Would you ask God to burden your heart about that, your worship and your witness? And let's go beyond where you're at right now and ask God to work in your life. Father, I pray that you take this invitation. And Lord, whether we just stay in our pew and pray about this or you lead us to come to the altar this evening, or would you help us all to be burdened and convicted in our hearts about worship and witness in 2023, Lord? Use this invitation for your honor and your glory now in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed as the piano begins to play. If the Lord's speaking to your heart, you respond to him this evening.